0: Hi, I'm Assia Labas and this is Listen to Your Art, a podcast that aims to understand the world through the prism of art. Do you think we can analyze a generation with a dress or portray our time with fashion trends? The answer is yes. We can differentiate the 70s, 80s or 90s by the way people dress. So what is so special with the clothes people are wearing today? It's what our first series of conversation is all about.
1: I think every generation has its movements and one of ours is sustainability, not just in fashion, but in everything.
0: You just heard Anne Whitting. She is a young designer and founder of the ethical women's wear label, Anne James New York. She's part of a young, sustainable fashion scene in New York led by designers, entrepreneurs, and activists. It's a vibrant hub where it's flourishing new brands that have one goal, Making ethical clothing They value local production, responsible fabrics, the zero-waste philosophy, and want to reduce the harm to the environment when they make clothes. Their approach is a response to the dark side of the fashion industry, one of the most polluting in the world and mainly caused by the fast fashion companies. Anne Whitting is a friend of mine and told me about this sustainable fashion scene that has gained momentum in New York with the many collectives, magazine talks and events happening every week. So last November, I went there to learn more about it and because I got intrigued by the people behind these initiatives. They all have the same profile, young passionate people in their 20s and 30s and about 95% of them are women. They also have similar stories. They quitted a stable job, an ordinary past, for meaningful work in this uncertain startup scene. This generation of sustainable makers in fashion is actually a reflection of their own generation. Millennials and Generation Z, born between the 80s and the late 2000s, they are young environmental activists who grew up with climate change and witnessed the lack of action from governments. And while they are urging, leaders to act, they have also decided to take the lead and save the planet themselves. Some of them are joining school strikes in the US and Europe under movements like Youth for Climate, with icons like the 16-year-old Swedish girl Greta Thunberg. And others are making sustainable clothing. Listen to Your art is giving its mic to five women involved in the movement. And by listening to their stories, their work, and their art and activism, We will discover that in 2019, fashion is a call for climate justice and sustainability is a way for designers to merge their values with their art. But will they have an impact? We'll start with our first conversation with Anne Witting. She's a young designer, very involved in the sustainable fashion community in New York, extremely passionate about ecology and fashion, and at the early age of her career. We talked about her story, the influence of the woman of her life, her experience in marketing, production and design shaped her engagement. And knowing that sustainable fashion was there, that many brands already opened the lead, she decided to join the field. But she doesn't hide her insecurities as a young entrepreneur and the tough competition out there. Let's listen to Anne. Hi Anne! Hi, Asia. (laughs) Well, I'm very glad to be here today. So we are in New York in your apartment. I would like you to introduce yourself a little bit before starting your whole story. Okay. Um, My name is
1: Anne, and I am the 27-year-old founder of the sustainable women's wear brand Anne James New York. And very involved in the sustainable fashion startup scene here in New York and a writer for Sustain Magazine and some other small publications.
0: So um, before starting this uh, conversation, we should tell to the people we are listening that we actually know each other. So Anne and I, we are friends since now 2013, I think? 14, yeah. 14. I have been seeing your journey into uh, the fashion industry. And then now that you are starting your own brand, you are now into a specific field, which is sustainable fashion. It would be really interesting to get a little bit more about your journey and like what you want to do in this industry. And also tell me about... Why so many young people like you and women are so interested and are doing so much things uh, to change this industry and try also to do to make a better planet for right. for the future? <clears throat> so, can we start about your background and what did you study exactly?
1: Uh, well, I was at Parsons. Um, Always my dream, and anyone who wants to do fashion, really, it's it's a dream of a lot of people to go there. It's the Number two, if not number one, but you know, whatever uh, fashion school in the world after Central Saint Martins in London, and um, it's a fantastic fashion community. Before Parsons, I went to Boston University and studied English and French literature. Hence, my obsession with Paris, and I have always wanted to do fashion as well. And it's just a part of who i am so i finished university and went straight to parson's to study first fashion marketing but then as i started my fashion marketing courses we had to take design in order to like understand the design process which i already knew from doing it my whole life, and also from taking summer courses at Parsons through my undergraduate experience. And my professors were saying, you know, it's not uncommon for people like you to switch from fashion marketing to fashion design, because clearly you're a designer. And I was like, I've already studied art, I've done writing, etc. So I I need to do something practical. I'm going to study marketing and business and really learn that side of the industry. I mean they called it fashion marketing, but I really learned everything like import, export, classes, production, like business. Um and I I sort of felt like this industry is so interesting and I want to learn, I wanna learn more, but I also want to be a designer, so I'm gonna continue on and do design. It was really hard. I thought I would like drop out (laughs) and my mom was like, no you're finishing design, you've always wanted to do it. Like, you got your marketing degree, now get your design degree. And also I sort of felt in the fashion marketing sector, I thought it would be really fun to take pictures of pretty people and just hang out with clothes all day and, like, have that be my job. I mean, I love PR. I love campaigns. I love, like, creating a story and an image. Um, But I also saw the side of things that is, I mean, within fashion and within fashion marketing, then the idea that you're pushing all these images out into the world and, like, onto people and their psyches and telling them that, like, they have to buy new things all the time or they are lesser, I don't know, sort of like this constant frenzy of telling people how they need to look, especially women, telling them that they should be buying new New pants, when really the pants that they have in their closet are just fine. I just sort of felt like it was a little bit surface level, fashion marketing. And, and then I also wanted to do design.
0: Were you one of the only students interesting, interested in like the whole process or how clothes are made? When is the first time that you had this interest in it? Well, I think it's as
1: soon as I learned what is happening.
0: And that's that people are
1: overworked and underpaid in like really awful conditions sometimes I mean they're working with toxic chemicals to coat your leather or your fancy jeans they're maybe working with toxic dyes sometime and and breathing this in it's just weird because it's this industry that's so beautiful but then behind the scenes you're like this is terrible like how how can I demand buying a blazer that's so beautiful but then like it came from like such a terrible disgusting background
0: and yet when did you get the first information like it was documentaries it was uh, at school like what was like the click when you said oh wow this is really like that that it's happening and I cannot be part of that
1: I've always been interested in the idea of the organic cotton thing I mean I like I said I went to normal college I didn't study fashion first and Still was interested in like, well, what's going on with organic cotton? But I didn't know what that meant at all. I got to Parsons and someone did some expose about the terrible side of the fashion industry. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awful. I also, I mean, when I was young, I was in the environmental club at high, in high school. And I, I've always been an avid recycler my mom taught me the importance of recycling and she'd like yell at us if we didn't take the cap off of our bottle and put it correctly in its place because if you so she said at the time where I was from if you left the cap on a bottle it couldn't be recycled and that was just a waste so I sort of grew up with the idea of not wasting things um not even wasting food for that matter like why throw away Mm -hmm. what you don't have to throw away and Be conscientious of your resources and your blessings. And that said, I came across a company that was started by some women from my hometown or close by. And it was called Sadie. And it was all about ethical and sustainable fashion. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that's the merging of my two passions or or two predominant passions, environmentalism or like the ideals of it, at least, and fashion. Like, cool, if I can do fashion and also have a positive impact for people and the earth, that's great. So I learned a lot at Zadie. Yeah, learned a ton at Sadie.
0: So at Sadie, because uh, just to like have a quick um, information about that, so you grew up in Minnesota, you went to Boston University, then after you went to New York uh, to do the Parsons School. Uh, Sadie was like one of your first jobs after you went to school, and what did you do there?
1: Yeah, it was an internship. So I had it during my first semester. So this is before I met you, and I had two internships. I had a marketing internship at Perry Ellis, which I was really excited about. (laughs) Perry Ellis is one of the, or was one of the foremost American fashion designers known for like American sportswear. I mean, we don't have that many that the world recognizes, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren. Perry Ellis was one of them. And Marc Jacobs was the creative director for a while. It's not so high fashion anymore, although they had some pretty cool collections put out in like 2013 when I was working for them. I I was working in marketing there and I was just like, I don't know making more and more shirts for people to buy more and more shirts. <laughs> and then I was at Sadie the other half of the time. Um, I say half because I was like half at Perry Ellis, half at Sadie, half at school. So you can tell that I was a little bit exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, at Sadie, I was learning the other side of things. And then I went and met you in Paris. And then I got back and had this sort of just switch in the industry and was like, I don't want to do fashion just to do fashion. I want to make an impact if I'm gonna do fashion and I still want to design but I don't want to just design in order to design I mean even if I think my clothes are beautiful and they're all I want to wear I need it to be made in the right way and I'm also really passionate at this point about where Clothing comes from and how it's made. And I've realized that I needed to go into production and product development and not design. And that's the field that happens after design, really. Um, You have a designer who designs like a sketch and they draw it and they say, This is what we want. These are the colors. The product development and production team are the people who say, Okay, let's make this happen. And they order all the fabric, they order all the pieces, they facilitate all the labor. Globally or domestically, they do all the shipping, it's like crazy logistics, supply chain management, the management of money, obviously, Um, and they have a lot of say in, I think, how something gets made and obviously where, et cetera. So yeah, I then went to work for a company called Mm Mayette, which was a luxury label that was making luxury pieces around the world with artisans in an ethical way. And then also making things ethically here in the New York City Garment District. So for a while, I was really like on the ground floor of seeing how ethical garments can be put together. Funnily enough, I was also working Fashion Week at Milk Studios, so back in that frenzy of, like, fashion, 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 like, no one cares where it came from. All we care about is that the picture is amazing, and there's a celebrity, and it's, like, orange fur coat, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Two different worlds, really.
0: Um... Every experience that you just said, that you just said it was during, it was like internship at the time still. What are like the first jobs that you had just after that and that maybe opened your mind a little bit more and what led you to make your own brand after that?
1: Well, my first job was in production. After I had had all my internships in production and product development, so I worked for a contemporary label that made really high-end basics in a full collection around the world. We made things in um, China and Peru and sourced from Italy and Taiwan, et cetera, um, and was there for like a year. In the meantime, I also was invited to go to Italy with a former professor of mine who was uh, really involved with this hub of sustainable textile development in Milan and also taught me in my course of sustainable fashion. In the meantime, I had been reading every article that was Mm -hmm. popping up about sustainable fashion at the time, reading books by Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia. I can't even remember all the different things that I have been reading in the time. But anyway, I went to Milan and, like, saw firsthand in the regions around Milan the new textiles that are being made out of recycled plastic bottles or recycled pre-consumer wool, et cetera, and they're absolutely beautiful. Um, Then someone I met there said, hey, like, I met this girl who puts on fashion shows and we're going to do one for sustainable fashion designers and do you want to... Do you want to take part? Um, and I was like, well, I mean, obviously, but I'm not really focusing on designing my own stuff right now. I'm learning I'm learning about the supply chain. Like, I work in the fashion industry. I'm not a designer. And they said, okay, well, I mean, whatever. If you want to, you can. Here's your chance. We know your work is really good. We've seen your portfolio. So go ahead. And I was like, well, okay. So, so I I was working full time, but I worked in the garment district, and I met a sample maker, and he helped me make clothing, which I had the fabric for which I sourced like at a dead stock fabric supplier in Pennsylvania, and it was just a very small hands on approach to making some things that I showed at Fashion Week, which was. Really fun, and then I applied to work with an art agency based out of London and work with one of their artists on another capsule collection. Sort of decided after I'd been accepted to work with them, and they were going to fund a collection for me. I was like, "Well, I can't do a whole collection and work." Um, and also, New York is really tiring, and my family's out in California, so I think I'll go to California and do a collection and. So I moved to LA and Santa Barbara. When was that? This was in 2017. OK. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother is my fashion icon and inspiration, both of them, one in Minnesota and one in California. And the one in California has the like, largest collection of the most amazing clothing I've ever seen. And the fun fact about it all is that it's all from a thrift store. Um, so she's like a hoarder of amazing vintage pieces. Anyway, I decided to go be closer to her and work on a fashion collection, which I think was really special for her as well. And then had it all Main in LA and San Luis Obispo and even by some people in Santa Barbara. I mean... It's amazing who you can find. Like, there was an Italian sample maker in Santa Barbara who makes custom garments. And you're just like, wow, like, tell me your story. So I love meeting everyone who's involved in the whole process of getting things made. From, like, selling fabric in the L.A. Garment District to, like, zipper distributors, et cetera. I I just think it's so much fun understanding that there are so many people involved with this process, not just me. So yeah, took that collection to London and have been designing and working with other ethical
0: brands since then. So it was your first collection, the first time that you really like did your own clothes in a professional way, not as a student? In 2017, Yeah. yeah. So um, after that, did you feel like, okay, now I can work on my own, I can have my own business, I can start my own thing? Or did you feel like I still need to maybe work for another company? Like, what was the plan in your head?
1: Um, well, I moved back to New York, and I decided I wanted to stay in New York. I started working for an ethical brand and boutique in Brooklyn called BoomKey and wanted to learn about how they source things, what companies they work with because um, I still have a lot to learn, I think. I'm still really small. I don't have a global supply chain on my own. I'm learning the best sustainable ways to grow a business, and I think the best way to do that is to observe the companies that are doing that. I've been working there, and I work now at another small company, but I'm work, obviously launching my own company Deciding how much money to throw away when. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: so what I would like you to tell me about is that because you named the Garmin District or uh, in, L- in LA you work with local producers. Uh, how is it possible for a young, sustainable fashion designer like you to actually respect your ethic and the condition that you want to apply uh, while staying in New York or in the US and not asking for... A- help or production in a foreign country like China or Bangladesh. How do you manage to make your own clothes here in New York?
1: Well I am just super familiar with the garment district here, having started immediately with fashion and fashion design in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I mean the conditions by nature of the fact that it's I guess Here and more easily monitorable. I know what the factories all look like. They're not like awful sweatshop type situations. I am quite sure that the people work very hard and I know they're pressed to get a lot of pieces finished in a short amount of time, especially because I'll come and I'll be like, why isn't my sample finished? And I know that my sample maker and his seamstresses are like so busy sewing all day but it's well lit it's clean you know they get a lunch break they get to they're I think well paid at least New York minimum wage um that said it's in it's in Manhattan it's a crazy place there are like so many fabric stores and it's wild and it's awful and it's exciting and
0: it's New York
1: yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I personally don't really want to stay there though because I I do want my clothing to be a price point that most I can't even say most I want it I want it to be a price point that people can afford sort of I don't want to have to charge $700 for a pair of pants in order for it to be semi profitable at all for me to make them and that's often the case with anything you make in New York so I'd like to take it abroad. Obviously, I'd like to pay well the people that I work with abroad. I know some organizations and sample makers and designers and factories abroad and love to travel and work with them. So that's, that's my next step, actually.
0: So, for example, right now, uh, you did a collection recently, I mean, some clothes. Can you explain to me how do you make it sustainable? Where do you find your fabric? How do you choose it? Like, what are the questions that you're asking before you decided to buy this fabric to make your clothes with it?
1: This time, there's an organization in New York called Fab Scrap that collects waste fabric from all the big companies or, I guess, even fabric vendors, you know, if they have, like, a small piece left over. Instead of throwing that away, they take it to this warehouse in Brooklyn Navy Yards, which is this crazy apocalyptic place (laughs) that I take a ferry to get to, and I can buy a lot of amazing fabric that would otherwise get thrown away. So I'm saving fabric from the landfill. Um, That said, I never forget the fact that, like, here I am claiming to be sustainable by using extra fabric or whatever, but, like, the fabric wouldn't exist if it weren't for bigger companies that aren't necessarily focused on quote-unquote sustainability. So I'm, like, indebted to their existence in the first place. So, like, I don't really know if it's the most sustainable way of doing things. That said, in addition to wanting to go abroad and scale that way in production, I am much more interested down the line in working with new technology fabrics, such as what I saw in Milan of like gorgeous silks and polyesters made of recycled plastic bottles because obviously our oceans are full of plastic so let's clean them up and turn it into fabric Mm -hmm. you know um and recycled wool etc I I think that's a really impactful way of scaling and if you can get other big companies to do that also because like a big I don't know I, I just think you can have a bigger impact that way but in the meantime I'm saving fabric from the landfill and making one-of-a-kind pieces, which is really fun. And I am allowed to, because I'm small, I mean, I I have a lot of friends who are like, I want those pants, but I need them in green. I'm like, okay, I'll find you a green scrap and tell me your measurements. And it's easy to to make. So So
0: can you describe a little bit more like your brand, like your style, and about the collection that you are talking about? Because um, you said that it's one-of-a-kind because you cannot fine like the, the scraps that you are taking you are quite limited so in terms of like how it's made like how much does it cost you how many clothes you can make um and what are what is the style of your brand Iron new york well i won't say how much it costs
1: because then well not yet not yet no, i not won't because it's really expensive and then you'll either be like wow she's making no money or down the line, wow, she's making too much money. I don't know. Um, it is really expensive, and that doesn't even count all the time that a person puts into it. So, uh, and the style of Anne James, honestly, I have so many ways of describing it. And we've used the word fanciful and globally inspired designs and textiles applied to more, for lack of a better way of describing it, like traditional Western silhouettes, very Ralph Lauren. Um, even Michael Kors, I think it's a beautiful fashion designer when it comes to like classic pieces. Um, and that said, it's, it is emerging of my two grandmothers' influences on me. One was like Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren, like the most classic beauty ever, like impeccably put together, like just wow. And then my grandma in California, the most eclectic, globally inspired, like wild pieces, but still super put together. So yeah.
0: How many clothes did you do? How many dresses? And it's only one of a kind? Like I can't buy two dresses, like twice the same dress?
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention the one of a kind thing. Well, yeah, inevitably, if it's scrap fabric, I can make like one or two shirts out of it. So that fabric doesn't exist anymore. Very one of a kind. Um, everything goes with, itch- with itself. I've got Palazzo pants that go with tank tops, um, which are either flowy or more structured coats to put over them jenim works with all of it as well so so you have like how many pieces do you have in your collection in the current pop-up shop collection there are 28 pieces yeah
0: and so but now this that they are alive so how can we buy them like how does it work for you like how do you make them available for the customers Well, they are currently for sale
1: at Paws Pop-Up, which is an Amsterdam-based conscious fashion collective that has hosted pop-up shops across Europe and now has its first in New York at The Canvas, which is a sustainable fashion hub here in New York, um, which I'm pretty extensively involved with. So you can go shop in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, or you can approach me and say, I love those pants. Can I have some? I'm like, yeah. Uh, what color? What size? And I'll have them made for you pretty quickly by the people who like have the patterns ready. Um, so that said, it's all one of a kind. It's also kind of it can be custom for now. Yeah. And how much it is? We're in like a one hundred and fifty to seventy dollar for a very small piece to four hundred for a coat okay.
0: range. And so, have the fact that it's quite of the idea sometimes for people who are discovering the sustainable fashion brands that say, okay, it's cool, it's uh, well done, and I can trust uh, um, the designer and the way they. Did it, but it's quite expensive. So how do you justify this price? There's this thing of the educate the people to uh, make them understand why it is so expensive.
1: Yeah, I ha- I don't like that it has to be too expensive. Um, I will say, back to saying I won't say how much each piece costs a vid- individually, I'm, I'm not making money on these pieces personally. Mm-hmm. I have to price them now with the understanding that down the line I will have cheaper labor just because it's cheaper to make things in Asia the cost of living is less so I'll still pay the equivalent of what I'm paying in New York but it'll just be less but I'll also have more shipping I'll have people working for me and I'll have to pay them that needs to be built into my future price point but for now I'm like basically covering the cost of fabrication and there's nothing left
0: (laughs) so but so it's interesting because you are very at the beginning of the story of Anne james new york right now and there are so much things going on and how do you try to make the most of it like do you collaborate with people um I mean, do you have like a community of of friends who are in this field? And when you were at school, I don't know if it was as trendy, the sustainable fashion trend, actually. So, I mean, how do you manage to find help thanks to New York City?
1: Well, this being the fashion hub, um, the resources are all here. Having gone to Parsons, I started off with tons of resources as well and made tons of contacts and amazing friends who are also starting their own labels and or just being amazing artists in their own right working for companies that are doing amazing things. So the people and the resources are here. Sustainable fashion has definitely gained momentum, I will say. I want to be like, yeah, it's gaining all this momentum, but like it's been happening for a long time. I mean, if I go to Italy and I look at this technology for beautiful fabrics made out of recycled plastic bottles the fact that that exists though means the research for that fabric has been taking place in Italy for the last what I don't know 40 years so someone a long time ago had ideas about like how to fix this industry that's maybe going in this direction so I'm coming of designer age we'll say at a time in which I'm inheriting like tons of thought and research that has already been happening I read a lot of books that were written in the 90s about environmentalism and even sustainable fashion. I have this collection of essays written by professors and engineers and influencers and writers. It's from, like, I don't even know. Like, Mm -hmm. it's from the 1990s or, like, maybe 2001. I don't know. But, like, basically these thoughts have been happening forever. That said... um, It's an amazing time to be in the sustainable fashion sector because I think every generation has its movements, and one of ours is sustainability, not just in fashion, but in everything. There are lots of people who I keep meeting who want to collaborate on, like, my photo shoots and my Instagram and who who share their resources. It's the most collaborative startup scene.
0: Like, for example... What collaboration did you do and are you part of some groups or community? Like if someone is listening and wants to be part of this sustainable fashion scene in New York. Uh, Well, you can call me
1: and then I will take you to a meeting with the Sustainable Fashion Circle of New York, which is a really cool group of sustainable fashion lovers and movers and shakers and designers and thinkers, etc., There are a number of different platforms. There are always events going on, but we like share events and invitations and panels and articles. There's a platform called Balanced Fashion that hosts events um, through that group of people. So much has happened. I mean, I've met people who want to collaborate on a collection or who like have, again, they've modeled for me, they've photographed for me. They, like, invite me to be part of panels and present my story, um, and I'll give back in the same way. We share sample maker resources. Um, Yeah, we're just, we're, like, we're there for each other.
0: How many are you, like, in the circle?
1: In this immediate circle, I think I have a network of about... Actually, I don't even know how to, because once you have a little bit of network, it expands, you know, because everyone knows someone who knows someone. But... I would say I have like twenty personal good friends within the group, but the group is it's gotta be like a hundred at this point, yeah, and more obviously, yeah.
0: And and what are the things that you are the most worried about, you and and your friends, people who are in this field? Do you feel sometimes like, well, will it go somewhere? Like, will we have an impact on anything? Because it's like still a small sparkles, you know, a little bit everywhere.
1: I hope two things. One, I think we're all worried about whether or not we will be financially successful, be that just because people want to buy our stuff or because somehow we tore down the hierarchy of fashion. But you and I just walked into Saline and it was beautiful, so I don't want to tear down all of the um, existing amazing fashion companies. Um, I do want for our movement to inspire all these companies to implement better practices into their supply chain because because we're stealing some of their market share. And if they want it back, then they have to, like, get on board.
0: You want to make pressure on them in a way, like what you do. Yeah.
1: And I think that that's happening because it's, I mean, it's trendy, but, like, these companies are listening to the fact that we younger people, like you said, we have all this information and we're demanding a little bit better. I don't really know if that's that true. I still will go into, you know, Madewell or J. Crew and be like, oh, I love that sweater. I really need it. I'm going to buy it and not think about the origin of it. Just be like, I hope it's okay. I do that rarely now, but it took me a long time to, like, stop buying things. But that said, if I want these companies to continue to exist, but then I also want to exist, but then everyone that I'm friends with who is also starting their own company, mm-hmm. I'm just like, there's not that much money to go around. So, like, who who's going to make it here, basically, within the startup scene?
0: Um, by talking about all of these things, I just remem- remember that for one year you did something that you decided to not buy new oh, clothes yeah. I mean it's so sustainable <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i I did a year, so I think that was two thousand and fifteen to two thousand and sixteen like sometime in two thousand and fifteen to sometime in two thousand and sixteen. Actually, I know when it ended because i I had been like four months at my new job and I was like dressing like a college student from Brooklyn, which is what I was, but I was like, I need new clothes for work. I look ridiculous. Like, all my jeans are from my dad and or the thrift store, and they're covered in holes. And my family is like, wow, you need to take better care of yourself. But, yeah, I did a year of no shopping because I have a ton of clothing. And um, I was like, I need to learn to – I need to see if I can live with what I have. Mm -hmm. And I definitely could live with what I have. Um, And I think we all can. The – the excess in our closets Mm -hmm. is wild. And the excess in the company closets, too, is wild. I mean, you've heard about, what, $400 billion of clothing Mm -hmm. being burned by H&M recently? Yeah,
0: but I don't know if it's possible to change that mindset. I mean, it's just a personal point of view, but, for example, I love the idea of minimalism. With you, you are not really doing that. Like, it's not something that you, even in the way that you dress, I mean, you said you have many, many clothes. So um, being sustainable, you don't have to be 100% sustainable in the way you live, in the way you make your clothes.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm not a minimalist. I'm a Mm -hmm artist descendant of a vintage clothing hoarder so i want clothes and that that's the thing fashion it's supposed to be fun and like having new stuff is fun that's why this industry exists in the yeah. first place yeah. um i i definitely see the value in the minimalist trend i mean it makes your life a lot easier but in the meantime if i want to have a lot of different flowy dresses made out of amazing textiles and velvets and beads mm-hmm. and furs and things um Either I, I have to continue hoarding it from vintage stores or I have to find ways to make fun fashion sustainably. And that requires, like I said, going to the source of the fabric. Not just inheriting that fun fabric at waste fabric distributors, but really looking at the textiles and being like, okay, this is beautiful, but how can we grow this cotton in a better way? Mm -hmm. Or how can it come from a better source? And how can the dye not be toxic?
0: And yeah. So what's the next plan for you? Um... Another collection Mm -hmm.
1: made with the fabrics I'm talking about. Perhaps I will launch it in the upcoming fashion week. Or perhaps I will go to too many launch parties and have to postpone to the next fashion week. No rush, um, but yeah, continue to design and find better ways to do it, and keep track of it on my blog and all the lessons, and continue to meet and collaborate. And and
0: so, go where can we find you on Instagram, on your website? Like, if someone wants to contact you and buy one of your fabulous uh, tops, so how how to contact them? I
1: think go to the Instagram mm-hmm. at Anne James New York and get a sense of all the many vibes that my clothes fit into. You'll see the artistic direction, the friends, the collabing, and if you like the looks, DM. <laughs> it's so so grassroots. But yeah, you can also send me an email. You can go to the website.
0: Yeah. What is the address of the website?
1: It is Anne with an E James New York all one word dot com.
0: Good. Well, thank you so much, Anne. And well, good luck for everything. Merci, Asia. Bye. Thank you for listening. Go on Instagram at listen to your art underscore podcast to see photos of Anne James' New York closes, sketches of her designs. And if you want to see more about this sustainable fashion scene, the garment districts, factories, beautiful fabric stores, and the fashion walk of fame in New York, And listen to the following conversation with Nina Folhaber, who is not an artist, not a designer, but an entrepreneur who quitted her job at Goldman Sachs to co-found the ethical brand A-Day. With Nina, we see how important it is to be a businesswoman and not only an artist when launching a fashion sustainable brand.